Mission Control, we are go for spitballing. Three, two, one. Here we go. Welcome to the Spitballing with Econ Elite Podcast. Spending time dropping knowledge from luxury locations all around the world. It's seven-figure entrepreneurs, Todd Snively and Chris Keith, with the inside scoop on how to really obtain freedom through e-commerce. Get ready to learn how to make money online with your hosts, Todd and Chris. So, let's get started. Hey everybody, Chris here, and I'm very excited to speak with somebody I think that is going to be a huge resource for the community and answer a number of questions that I know we talk about quite a bit. Uh, this topic of outsourcing, this this nebulous idea of, oh, just get other people to do work for you. I guess it's sort of employees, but sort of not. And the idea of outsourcing is not a new one necessarily, but doing it correctly, doing it well, that's a bit of a challenge. And Nathan Hirsch, uh, a gentleman that started freeup.com, really has helped answer a lot of those questions. As an Amazon seller himself, someone that really knows not just the idea of outsourcing, but someone that knows how to use outsourcers and find them specifically for e-commerce and even more specifically for the Amazon space. So without further ado, introduce uh, Nathan Hirsch. Nathan, thanks very much for joining us. Chris, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. The, 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 the conversation comes up often, right, um, with, with outsourcing. And before we get into how you created, why you created uh, uh, freeup.com, can you give us some background just on, on where you came from and specifically kind of what you're doing in the, in the Amazon space? Yeah, so I started off as a broke college student um, <laughs> looking for extra beer money. And I started buying and selling people's textbooks because I got upset that the bookstore was ripping me off. I was paying hundreds of dollars per book and getting pennies on the dollar when I would sell it back at the end of the semester. So I thought that I could cut them off and have students sell me their book. I would sell them to different bookstores, give a higher margin in the bookstore, and still um, have a chance to make money. So before I knew it, I had lines out the door of people trying to sell me their book over the bookstore. Um, and from there, I had all these books that I was trying to sell to different online vendors. And one day, I came across Amazon. And Amazon at the time was just getting out of only doing books. And right now, if you go on a listing, it's 100 sellers. Back then, it was just me and a few other people. So I started playing around with it, and I became fun and addicting. And I knew I didn't want to sell textbooks forever. And I had this idea that since I had no money and I didn't have a warehouse to store products that I could drop ship. And this was years before I even knew what drop shipping was called. I didn't even find out the, the terminology until I had already been running a multi-million dollar drop shipping business. Um, so I started experimenting. I got really good at selling baby toy and home products. And I grew this huge drop shipping business and hired my first employee before I could legally drink. And I started hiring remote workers to build up this company and had a, had a lot of success doing it. So that's really how I got into e-commerce and hiring people and learning how to make really good hires and avoid the mistakes and the red flags that come along with hiring contractors or even for my Amazon business employees. Yeah, fantastic. That's a, I mean, it's a great story. I think it's early days. Those of us that get into Amazon in the early days, that, that's a common story. Like, hey, this is really uh, uncharted waters. We're breaking new grounds here. And now it's become kind of a new hotness. I think that's that's all relative though. In our space, I always talk with we are always talking with people that are doing Amazon things, but it's amazing you sit on a plane and someone asks what you do and boy, just the notion of e-commerce as a whole is people kind of cock their head to the side and say, "What? You do what?" So that that's foreign. Forget about the idea that you and I and and others sell things on Amazon. They just think 
Amazon's a big mothership that uh, beams stuff down. They don't really know that it's really a, a marketplace, which is fascinating. So that gives us all huge runway to build sizable businesses. And you've sold tens of millions of dollars, as I understand it. Is that right in, 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 on the Amazon platform? Yeah, I've been doing it for over eight years. I've sold over $30 million. That's amazing. That's fantastic. Great, great numbers. Now, a, a, a differentiator here, I think, from, and you had mentioned uh, employee, you know, I hired my first employee, employee versus outsourcer, right? I think that's a key differentiator, right? Because, I mean, technically somebody is an employee, and this, this, the reason I ask this is I think it scares people away. And the idea of employee comes with the connotation that there's, you know, maybe insurance and workers' compensation and all this kind of stuff. When we're talking about employee versus an outsourcer who technically is an employee, works for you and does work for you, what what are the big differences? I mean, is that a, is that a, is that worth talking about as far as what what the differences are? Yeah, we can go and do a little. Keep in mind, I'm not an employment lawyer, so I, I don't want to get too far into it. Great, great disclaimer. Good good point. Ni- neither am I, nor do I play one on TV, and I don't I don't. We don't, we don't suggest that we go down that road, but some of the differences are when, we're, when, you know, when, when someone's looking, how about this, when someone's looking to, to hire an outsourcer, what are kind of the expectations there? Sure. So when I'm hiring employees for my Amazon business, they, they work for me, they're following my, my rules, my guidelines, and they're U.S. And so that, that's kind of how I categorize the employee. With FreeUp, it's a marketplace of contractors. We don't offer employees. They're really their own businesses offering their services to many different clients. So whether you're outsourcing and hiring someone from the Philippines to do customer service or you're hiring someone in the U.S. to do your marketing or your graphic design or your writers, they're really running their own freelance business and they're in charge of, of figuring out their expenses and making a profit. Um, they, they're not just working for you, although you can – I have clients that will hire a contractor and buy them out and make them an employee um, if they like them that much and they get along. But that's really the core difference is that they're really running their own freelance business. Yeah, good, great differentiator there. And and I the reason I, I mentioned that is that that kind of freaks people out sometimes. Is well, you know, employees. I don't want to hire an employee. I don't want all the stuff that goes along with that. When we're talking about freelancers, a lot of times when we're starting, and I was in the same boat when we start out, we don't really need a. Oftentimes, we don't need somebody that's a full 40, 50, 60 hours a week. And people ask that question: Can I just get somebody for five hours a week? Can I get someone for an hour a week? I mean, that's possible. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, the cool thing about the free up marketplace uh, is different than other places out there is instead of just posting a job and getting 100 people to apply, we pre-vet. We only take the top 1% of people that apply and add them to our network. And then once they're in, it's first come, first serve to clients. And on our end, there's no minimums. The hours between you and the worker, we have some clients who will hire workers for 20 plus hours a week. We have other um, clients who hire someone for an hour a month or a one-time consultation or some on-call work to do some listings here and there. So there really is no minimums. I mean, you can hire them as much or as little as you want. Yeah, great point. And that, that's, that's a good one. That, that, that to me is more the differentiator where when, usually when, when someone enters an agreement with, with an employee, whatever that really means, but there's this kind of an assumption that goes along with that. This person is there for an expected number of hours a week. You're paying them no matter what, whether they sit around and twiddle their thumbs or otherwise. The great part about outsourcing is just that. Look, I need a one-time project to build a logo. I need someone to build a website. I need someone to do a couple of listings, do a little bit of research for me on some wholesalers. Whatever that is, it can be as big as 40, 50 hours a week with 50 people. It can be as easy as I just need someone for an hour or two or three or something like that. Exactly. And what I recommend doing is create a list of everything you do on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis and order it from easiest to hardest. Start at the bottom of the list. Start seeing what you can take off. 
and see it gets it becomes addictive and, and you can start taking more and more off your plate and really focus on expanding and marketing and growing your business. The other side of that is identify where your weaknesses are. I mean, one of the best conversations that I had with my business partner, Connor, is we sat in a room and we were like, hey, you're good at this, you're bad at this. And we just went back and forth for an hour, wrote everything down. At the end of it, we realized that, yes, we complement each other very well, but we have this list of things that we're both not good at. Let's start hiring for these things. Um, and then we all of a sudden we turn those strengths into, or those weaknesses into strengths, and that really helped us take our business to the next level. Yeah, that, that's a, a great segue into, into that exact topic. So thanks for bringing it up. And it was related to that. that I do hear this a lot, and you've given two fantastic ideas on how to go about outsourcing. And, and the first one being, you know, what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. And so, so what, what you're saying, and, and I agree wholeheartedly, is just look at what needs to get done in any given day or, or where you are in your business right now and then look at what you possibly physically can do and then what you can't and realize you got to outsource that. That's a reasonable place to start, yeah? Yeah, I mean, if you just look at my free up business, I, I have assistants that cover my Skype from 6 o'clock in the morning to 11 o'clock at night um, whenever I'm in meetings or stuff like that. If I'm on Skype, they act as my sidekick um, doing small tasks here and there, and they have their own projects. Um, so I train them to do that. Um, I have someone that monitors my emails from 3 to 5 a.m. every day. So when I wake up, they know how to respond to 95% of emails. And then they'll be like, hey, here are five that you need to look at and you should respond to. So I get a head start to my day. Um, in my Amazon business, I have people in the Philippines that process orders. And I have a U.S. employee that does emails and runs a man, uh, email um, or runs all the customer service. And he has some Filipino assistants that do a lot of the smaller tasks under him. So really valuing not only your own time, but the other people in your company's time so that they're focusing on high-level stuff at all times. That's fantastic. I mean, you've got people, you go far enough that you've got people monitoring your email and scrubbing that, the, the task of waking up in the morning and plowing through all your emails. You wake up with a highly refined, scrubbed, uh, curated content, I guess, where, look, these are the five things you need to, you need to pay attention to. Yeah, and, and I really took my own advice. I, I broke down everything I'm doing. Where am I spending all my time in my 40, 50, 16 hour week? And I started getting five hours back and then I got 10 hours back and then 15 hours back. And I was able to focus that time into getting on podcasts with you or um, marketing different influencers or now I'm doing a lot more guest speaking, which I wouldn't be able to do if I was just answering the hundreds of emails I get and thousands of Skype messages I get every day. Yeah, that's tremendous. Uh, Todd and I, um, for our Ecom Elite community, just did a webinar just yesterday, and we spoke about that topic of being hyper vigilant with your time. And that, on a personal level, that matters. And I don't want to go too far down that road. But on a personal level, just knowing that you've got time and you aren't spending all of it in your business, that's that's important. But more important than that, when people are trying to grow their business, there are things that need to be done and there are things that do not need to be done. And figuring that out, separating the wheat from the chaff, as they say, that's critically important. And knowing what is revenue producing and what is just a colossal waste of time, that's that that has to be done. But what you're saying though, related to that is almost anything can be almost anything can be outsourced. Is that right? Yeah. So I have a three month rule. So I, I'm a big process guy. I like creating the systems and the process. I believe every business, even if you're selling on Amazon, you have your own systems, your own processes. And it takes about two to three months usually to really refine that process. 
And then by then, you shouldn't be doing it anymore. You should pass it off to someone else to do it. Um, on the other end, there, there's also that time investment of learning how to do something. I'll take Amazon PPC, for example. I can spend the next six months learning how to do Amazon PPC at a high level. That's not a very efficient use of my time. I'd much rather hire an expert who already has that experience, and it's worth it for me to pay top dollar to bring that person in to run my ads at a high level and so I can focus on the parts of my business that's really my core competency. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, and, and there's, there's, I'm going to make a note down here, the, the kind of how to pay for people, uh, how to pay for out. Uh, that, so I remind myself about that. But related to what you're talking about right there is the harsh reality of businesses is two ways to do it, right? You either grind it out and learn to do it completely on your own. You just learn it. You understand it. Or you, you, you buy it. And that kind of has a negative connotation too sometimes. Oh, you buy it. Well, what you're talking about is exactly right. I could do a deep dive and become absolutely masterful and expert. And, and it's a good one. Amazon sponsored ads. Well, that's great. But then then you have to be masterful at pay-per-click and doing it, doing it all yourself. Or why don't I just find a dude or a dudette that's really, really good at it and just <laughs> pay them to do it? And if they are as good as they say they are, and we know Amazon sponsored ads works when it works well, it works great. Let them do it because the ROI typically is pretty quick on that. Exactly. And then it all comes down to your process of hiring people, whether it's employee or a contractor or outsourcing. How do you figure out who that perfect person is? How do they fit the culture of your company? And how do you know that you're going to have that good experience time after time again? Because so many people, they go on Upwork or they go on Monster or Freelancer.com and they just get overwhelmed with all these applications. They don't know who's good, who's bad. Um, they don't know what they should be paying. They, even when once they bet someone and they make the hire, they don't know how to really test them and, and really cut ties or look for red flags before it's too late. Yeah, that's fair. Great point. So we'll get to those topics. Those are next on my list. But to close out the idea of kind of the how-to, because we get this a lot, how do I do that? Your suggestion is, and I agree for everybody listening, all the members and, and anybody that wants to know, geez, how do I do that? Each business has a system. As Nathan said, whether you realize it or not, it's got a system. So you have to become quite good. In order for this to work at any scale and in order for you to build your business to any scale, even if you're just starting out and, 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 and have zero dollars in revenue, as you're doing and learning the process, realize it is a process. And that is when we're talking about our group does a lot of uh, similar to what you're talking about, Nathan, but it's what we call buy box sharing. You're buying products from wholesalers or distributors that require certain steps contacting wholesalers or distributors somehow, securing those lists, run them through our software, and out of that precipitates a number of different possible products to purchase. You end up purchasing those products, they go to Amazon, or they go to a warehouse, then sent to Amazon. Those are all steps in there. Every single one of those steps can be outsourced. So whenever you're doing things, I agree with Nathan, you look at your business and everything you're doing, find those steps that you're doing now physically, and get someone else to do those things. So let's let's hop into doing that. I mean, that's actually the the, the hiring part. How, how do you find, I mean, you've made it a lot easier on finding a quality person. One of the big challenges we saw, and obviously you've really kind of hacked that and figured that out and, and you touched on it. When you go to Upwork, when you go to online jobs, whatever whatever site you're, you're talking about, the other guys, you're really kind of throwing a lot at the wall and seeing what sticks. And that became challenging, right? Finding a quality person. In your case, you've kind of hacked that and solved that a little bit by really vetting people. Is that right? Absolutely. A uh, quick step back in terms of the lead generation. One of the reasons that I, or one of the ways I had a lot of success growing this dropship business is I would hire a cheap virtual assistant 
They would, every day they would spend five hours going through leads, checking out manufacturers' websites, see who allows their products being sold on Amazon. They would come up with lists of emails. They would blast it out and set up phone calls for me. And from this, I built tons of great relationships with manufacturers, and it helped me get off the ground and grow my business rather than me spending five hours every day going through and contacting these people. So instead of – that's great. I mean that's a, that, that's a perfect example. So instead of necessarily, geez, how do I train somebody that may or may not have an accent or may or not may not have a super good command of the English language or the nuances of, of communicating, you said give me that list. I don't want – it takes me 10 hours to find three leads. I don't want to take those 10 hours to find three leads. You find the leads. You set them up and I'll knock them out of the park. Is that kind of the process you were doing with that? Yeah, and I realized what my core competency was. I was good at making phone calls. I was good at closing deals. So what I would do is I didn't want to do the research part of it. I taught them to do that, but I would handle the phone calls. On the other end of it, I have clients who they maybe they have an accent or, or they're just not comfortable on the phone, and they'll, they like doing the research. They're really good at that. So they'll focus on the research and then pass the leads over to a phone call person to make the calls and close the deal. Perfect. So as far as vetting those folks, what, what, what's going on there to get kind of higher level folks uh, that, that are just beyond the simple, geez, let's you know, give 10 people and kind of hope, hope they work. Well, what's going on on the back end, kind of the, 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 the back end of free up what you're doing there to make sure there's, there's fantastic people in there? So the way that we, we vet people and what I preach to people when they're hiring, whether it's employee, contractor, in-house person, whatever it is, um, we're really focused on three things, skills, communication, and attitude. So skills, I'm looking for someone with a track record of success. They have references. They've been doing this for a while. I'm not looking for someone who's just getting into freelancing. Um, I want someone that has that skill set. For the attitude, I'm looking for someone who's passionate about what they do. They really like doing it. They're not just in it for the paycheck. I hate doing QuickBooks. If I'm hiring someone to do my QuickBooks, they need to love QuickBooks at an incredibly high level the same way that I love Amazon. Um, and then on top of that, for attitude, they should be coming in with a, a smile every day. I mean, there's nothing worse than working with someone who's negative or bringing the people around you down. Um, on the communication side, communication to me is the most important. I don't care how talented you are. If you can't communicate with me at a high level, it's not going to work. Um, obviously, speaking your language is important. That's a, just a step one. The other side of that is you don't want to be chasing someone across the Philippines you want someone who comes to you, who gives you updates, who can hit estimates, who can give you um, good delivery dates and actually follow through with what they say and can actually communicate with the people on your team around you. So we're looking for all three of those things and we weigh them evenly. And a lot of times when people have mistakes, they, they're like, they find a really talented person, but he doesn't have the attitude and communication or they can communicate, but they don't have the skills that they said they had. So, I mean, if you think back of every good or bad hire that you've ever made, especially every bad hire, I, I mean, it's very rare you're like, oh, this person had amazing skills. He communicated at a high level. He had a great attitude, but I had to fire him. That usually doesn't happen. Um, if you can really focus on those three things, you'll have a lot of success hiring. And if you can't vet for the skill, then you really need to focus on the attitude and communication even more. That's fantastic, and you're doing that. So obviously, you're 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 taking the CV or curriculum vitae, resume, whatever, and you're looking at and interviewing for skills, communication, attitude. So those people are pre-qualified. Uh, does that mean they're going to be perfect for your business? Probably not. Certainly, there's just things you know things do happen. But you're you're solving probably 75, 80, 90 percent more of the frustrations of a lot of the outsourcing issues ahead of time. So. When we uh, we reach out to, to, to folks, they've already been at least gone through a few steps on the front end to make sure that they're checking the boxes for, for you guys. And that, that sounds a lot easier than things we've done. And I know that worked out very well compared to things we've done in the past. 
Yeah, I mean, we get hundreds of applicants a week. We put them through that process. We're looking for red flags. We're very picky on who we add to the network with the strong skill communication attitude. And then once they're in the network and there's over 700 workers there now, as a client, it's free to be a client. You get quick access to them. You put in a request. The requests are filled within 24 hours. And you know that we've already screened and vetted these workers. And I mean, hiring's never going to be perfect, but 90 plus percent of the time it goes well. And every once in a while, you get someone that for whatever reason, they just don't click. Right. And we'll replace them quickly um, with someone else in the network. So, I mean, what's important for you when you're hiring, whether you're using FreeUp or Upwork or any other place, is the process that you're hiring and continuing to refine that process and making it better and better and better. And when you make a bad hire or you have someone that doesn't 100% work out, really try to figure out where in the, in the next process could you do better and how can you tweak it to get to improve going forward. That's fantastic. Can you give us some, some ideas on what – for our group, our community, what are some key things to either look for or ways to do interviewing or hiring that kind of help weed some of those things out? And I know this is a, it's a big topic, but maybe a top three things or top two things that you'd say, look, what what can really streamline that process to make that, make that easier to find some good people? What can we do? What can I do as a business owner to help find the right person or at least set expectations or whatever needs to happen there on the front end to give best chance of success? Yeah, so some of the biggest mistakes that I see made are clients not asking some basic questions like, what other commitments do you have? Because if you're a freelancer, you do have other clients. It's part of the game. You might have only two hours free a week or you might have 30 plus hours free a week, but you really need to find that out if once you're doing that interview or once you're meeting the worker. We mentioned before figuring out you need 30 hours and you need two. Make sure that's in line with the worker. I can't tell you how many times people waste time interviewing just because they didn't ask that question up front to see if at the bare minimum the, the commitment matches up. On the other side of it, since we've done a lot of the vetting for you, laying out expectations is key. We have what's called the client expectations doc. It's a free doc. It's optional to use, but clients fill it out. They put about their company, about their goals, what they're trying to accomplish, what their pet peeves are. I mean, what you care about might be different than what I care about. For example, um, I don't like it when people Skype me and say, I have a question, and then they wait for me to respond because I get so many Skype messages every day, it just leads to more time wasted. But how would someone ever know that if I didn't tell them that up front? So just really laying that out on a piece of paper um, so that when you hire someone, you hand them a piece of paper, you're like, hey, read this, ask me if you have any questions. And from there, you get off on the right foot, which a lot of people, they'll say, all right, you're hired, here's a piece of paper, do this task, um, and get back to me when it's done. And the worker has no idea how they're contributing to the business. They don't know what the client expects. And that's where that gray area comes in. And when you have gray area, it can lead to issues down the line. Yeah, good, great advice. The expectations part probably alleviates uh, 75 or more percent I've heard from people that have hired people as employees in-house, outsourcing or otherwise. It's really expectations, just as you've said, of what I need. Sometimes I like to, and I tend to bring people more into the fold in my business than, than maybe other people do, but I like to give them an idea of what we're doing, what we're about, who I am. I think there's that personal interconnectedness that's challenging sometimes. We're talking about quite literally uh, time zones that are the other side of the planet. Um, that, that, that can be challenging, but I've traveled a lot of places in the world. I've been to a lot of, a lot of places, met a lot of people, and I, and I really stand by this that we all kind of do the same thing no matter where you are. It's Philippines, Hong Kong, whether you're in Africa, South America, US, Europe, you are putting your pants on one leg at a time. You're fighting gravity all day. You want to make a few bucks, do well with your family, and that's about it. And that's the kind of cool part about it because we're all kind of doing the same thing. So 
letting people into the fold and set some expectations is is hugely important. And I like the commitment side as well. What do you do now? How much time do you have? Because if someone's like, oh, I've got a thousand hours, well, that's just not obviously not possible. There's really 40, 50 hours in a work week for an average person. If someone says, look, man, I'm, I really want another gig, but that's not up for another two weeks. Ferret that, st- that stuff out, right? Figure it out ahead of time so everybody's on the same page with, with how much time needs to, needs to be done. Absolutely. And so there's three parts of hiring. You've got the recruiting, the interviewing, the finding the right person, even identifying what you want, all part of the first part. Second part is how do you lay out those expectations? How do you onboard them? How do you introduce them to the other people that will be interacting on the team? And then that last step, which is how do you get the most out of this person? The, the workers, the contractors, the employees, they're an investment. Whether you're investing money and training into them or you're investing just your time into them, they are an investment. So it's in your best interest to get the most out of that investment. And the last thing you want is your investment to walk out the door. So when you get to that point, you should do what you said. Tell them about the business. Get them motivated. Get them. Show them how what they're doing is going to impact what you're trying to do. And people will work faster. They'll work harder. They'll care more about your business. And you build more long-term relationships. Even if you hire someone for a long-term pro- or a one-time project, I always encourage you to build a long-term relationship. You don't know when you're going to need another quick project again. The, the smartest clients are the ones that they find two to three graphic designers that they like that they can go to at any time. Uh, they have, have two or three writers. They have uh, an, two Amazon PPC people, whatever it is, so that they're not just scrambling last minute to recruit and find people for projects. And so what I encourage clients to do if they have a lot of on-call work and, and stuff that comes up and down, just create a Skype group chat with some people that you like, that you can rely on. And anytime you have a project, you can throw it in there and the first person to get to it can do it. So really figure out a way to make them long-term relationships, even if they're just one-off projects. And especially if they're more consistent, like my email person. So you build, you're building a stable of people, of, of outsourcers, of folks that are kind of go-to people where... I mean, that, that's the eventual thing you want to build up to, right? You want to have a list of, look, I've got graphic designers and I've got three or four that are in my back pocket that are fantastic. And I've got a project coming up, so it's not scrambling to find a person. You've got option A, B, C, and D all ready to go. Just throw it out there and, and, and say, hey, first one to take it can have it. That's a smart way to do it. Exactly. And if it's more of a long-term thing, like my email person, I invested a lot of time training him how to do it. And he's doing a great job. If I wake one, wake up one day and he's gone, I have to start over from scratch, and that's all time that I'm not going to be spending expanding my company. So it's in my best interest to treat him with respect, to treat him well, to show him how he's making a difference, and and keep him happy. And one of the things I'm always doing with with workers and, and employees on my Amazon business is just checking in and being like, hey, are you happy with everything's going? Do you have any feedback for me? What can we do to improve? We're on the same side, and really creating that relationship rather than that I'm talking down to you because I'm the boss type of relationship. Yeah, smart, smart. No, great, great advice. So you, you're you're handling, you're covering, free up handles a fair bit of the recruiting, kind of identifying the right people. You need you segmented things, and people are kind of segmented into buckets, basically, right? You graphic designers, and someone's really good at accounting. Someone may be doing sponsored ads or advertising as it relates to Amazon. That's kind of step one, and then your 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 self described three step process. The onboarding part is always always a bit of a hitch in the giddy up for folks, and that is. Well, what about SOPs and how do I train people and how, you know, how, how do I go about figuring out what, what, what's some advice that you have on, on figuring that part out? Like, well, I don't even know what to give people. Um, let's say I want someone to do my email. Um, does, are there magically people out there that know exactly how to handle 
you know, email filtering for people? Or is it really a, a process and you're kind of teaching people? That's what gets people stuck. And in, in our group, I hear it a lot. And from talking with people that want to outsource, I hear that as a big, big hitch. What, what's some advice there? Sure. So you really have two options when you're dealing with lower level tasks. You either hire someone on the cheap end and you're really teaching them from scratch. So you're making more of an investment up front, but you're going to make it up down the line because you're paying less per hour. So long term, you're saving money or you value your time up front more and you pay a little bit more per hour and you hire someone that knows what they're doing. There's always going to be some kind of training or onboarding or something like that because your business is going to be different than other clients they work for, but there's less of it but you're not getting that discount going forward. So first is identifying which way you want to go. And then next is really figuring out how do I really value my time and not invest any unnecessary time into training. One thing I discourage you from doing is one-on-one -on -one training with a worker. I, I've seen clients, they spend three to four hours working one-on-one -on -one with a worker to get them up to speed. It's not an efficient way of doing it. You need a training doc or a training video where you can lay out your systems and processes and a lot of times people, they spend too much time on the SOPs and that's not that great either. My recommendation is create the basic outline, get the worker going. And if you get a good worker, have them update the SOPs as you go. If you're changing something, have a meeting once a week, once a month and be like, hey, we're changing this, this and this. And part of your responsibility is keeping that SOP up to date because what the SOP really is, is an insurance policy for you if that worker ever leaves you can give that SOP to that next person. So it's important for you to keep it up to date as much as it is to just get that original person off the ground. That's brilliant. And I think it's lost on a lot of people. And it's, it's uh, you know, we're not dealing with, um, I don't want to be crass about this. We're not, we're not dealing about with hand tools or like a shovel or a saw. I mean, this when we're talking about an outsourcer, you know, this is a, a sentient being. This is a human being doing a job. So you're hitting on something really interesting. I see people get so bogged down in, uh, I can't, I have to deconstruct my entire business and I need to share everything. No, that's absolutely not the case. And what Nathan is suggesting is right on point. And especially when it comes to the specific example of handling that email, um, handling the data, the email stuff, a, a simple screen capture. I mean, you can use, I think Jing by Jing, J-N-G by TechSmith, I, th I think is still free or very inexpensive. Find some screen capture software, walk through the process, what you're doing. I want to keep these things. I don't want to keep these things. And, and just kind of walk through a bait. Give it a 10-minute, 15-minute kind of recap of what's going on there. And it's expectation setting. The expectation of that outsourcer is now I've given you a standard operating procedure, a basic binder or a document or a video or something on how things work. I want you on a daily slash semi-weekly business to update that stuff on what you're doing. And this document is going to be refined. And that person maybe spends even an hour a day. It's such a good use of time. It's such a great use of time. And they're building out the process as they go. Unlike what a standard, you know, hand tool is only going to be cutting the board when you're it's plugged in and you're operating it. In this case, they can be creating the things that a lot of people get bogged down and do themselves. So you're offering really sage advice there. That's very smart. And break it down. I mean, you can start off small. You don't have to outline your entire company before you hire someone. I mean, I like to identify tasks. This is how you process orders for my dropshipping business. Okay, hire someone for orders. All of a sudden, I get time of my week back, and now, okay, let's focus on customer service and really departmentalize. And I mean, it's, it's a good idea to diversify anyway. Um, I, I learned that at a very young age when I had a manager of the day who would do everything from orders to emails to customer service. Um, and he would also be in charge of waking people up to, for the shifts when we were in college. 
And so I trained someone to do everything, and I also had one supplier I was relying on. And so I, I got emails off my plate. I was excited. I went on vacation. Day one of vacation, um, I get a call that the supplier dropped me and that the manager of the day quit. So I, I learned a very valuable lesson in diversification, came back, made sure I never made that mistake again, and started contacting lots of suppliers and really departmentalizing my hiring so that, yeah, if someone leaves, it's always going to be some kind of hassle, but it's not that hard to replace an order person or a customer care person if that's their only responsibility. Well, you you, you hit on something that is, Todd and I have a, a phrase, it's not our phrase, you hear, it, you hear it quite a lot, but it's the jump off the cliff and build a plane on the way down. So you, you took a vacation, and what's the worst possible thing that could happen? You had a supplier, supplier left, the, whole, the wheels kind of come off, yeah, man, that's all part of business, right? That's going to happen no matter what, what goes on. So another big challenge I see or hear without people talking about outsourcers or other aspects of their business is, well, I don't know how to do it, so that sounds overwhelming, so I'm just not going to do it. No, man, take a crack at it. Try. It doesn't have to be mission critical. Can you do an entire P&L for my business and look at the inner workings of my QuickBooks and my revenue and everything else like that? No. Test some things out easy. And even as simple as you know, email or something like that, set up a dummy email account if you want to, if you really, really are scared to, to, to you know, any usernames or passwords, but test stuff, try it. It'll be, you'd be amazed at how easy it is to get out there and get started doing this. And you'll start to realize, oh my gosh, look at the time I can free up in my, in my life. That's an amazing use of my time now. My business can now move forward because I have more hours in the day. Exactly. And one thing that's cool about the free marketplace is we have all these experts offering their services on the marketplace and you can hire them for half an hour or three hours. So if you want someone to just look at your Amazon account and give you advice or create a game plan, you can hire them for that short chunk of time and maybe you, you get along great with them and you want to hire them going forward or keep them on call or take the game plan and implement it yourself. Um, that part's kind of up to you, but you don't have to hire an agency for $10,000 to get someone to do an overview on your books or your Amazon account or your social media presence, whatever it is. This gets pretty meta or I guess very inception pretty quickly, but do you have folks that can actually help deconstruct a business and, and, and to kind of help out with that aspect of it and, and kind of lead, lead, you, lead you by the hand and walk you through some of that stuff? We do. I mean, that, that's a pretty vague statement, so I would need sure. some more information. But yeah, we have, we have people that are really helping people along the way. I mean, we have some clients that sell $100 million a year, and then we have other clients who have never sold anything before, and they're just getting it off the ground and everything in between. So we, we add people to network to really help people no matter where they are um, in their business. Can you shed a little bit of light just on a, um, and not to dig into your business, but people ask questions on costs and that kind of thing, and geez, what if I can't pay for it? Uh, what if I, I, you know, I can't afford to pay outsourcers and that kind of thing. I, I would dare say that, and you said it before, you're not a, you know, a, a hiring a, a labor attorney, nor am I, or otherwise accounting or otherwise. But roughly, um, I suggest people need to start outsourcing as soon as they can, as soon as they possibly can afford it. So what's maybe your email person? I mean, that's kind of not Amazon related, but what, what roughly do they work at on an hourly basis for, for compensation? Five to seven bucks an hour. Okay. It's pretty reasonable. That's unbelievably reasonable. So that's why I suggest, I think it's smart to start thinking about outsourcing as soon as you can. For five bucks an hour, seven bucks an hour, maybe it's not the email part because as, as I, I don't want to contradict myself at the beginning of the conversation, you need to be making sure that what you're doing on a day-to-day on a -day basis is related to producing revenue where profits will fall out from. If it's a matter of, geez, I'm taking a lot of time calling suppliers, finding suppliers, finding leads, 
a great suggestion Nathan made earlier was have somebody else do that research and do the grunt work on the front end. And you do that last little bit of closing the deal and fine. And then once the deal is closed and you secure that price, that, that product list, throw it back over the wall to an outsourcer and say, run this through this tool for me. This is how it works. Here's my login credentials. Um, and then out the out from the bottom comes some product lists. So you can wake up in the morning and say, great, they've done all that work for me. It just freed up 10 hours, 15 hours, 20 hours of my time. Outsource things as quickly as possible, as soon as you can, because you will free up your time so much better. Yeah, I mean, that's really what it's all about. Uh, one thing I can say with the budget is if you don't have a, an ongoing budget that you can use for workers, start focusing on one-time projects. Can you get someone to come in and audit your business? Can you get someone to optimize your best listing? Can you get a graphic designer to touch up your product photo? So one-time things. And then when you're ready to hire that more consistent person, make sure you can actually afford them going forward. The last thing you want to do is make an investment into someone and then realize you have to let them go after three or four weeks because you didn't account for them going forward. So really figure out where you are in your business. Can you only afford one-time projects? Can you get that one assistant long-term and then build from there? And that'll give you a better feel for how, what you can hire for. Yeah, sage advice again. I mean, that's, that's really fantastic. It doesn't have to be that you don't have to go all in. And, and that's, that's Nathan's right. Grab, grab that person. That's one-off things. Have them do one-off stuff. How about you had mentioned managers and that kind of thing. Let's say, because we, we have people in our community, Nathan, that are just, just starting out. I mean, brand, brand new, up to people doing uh, millions and millions of, of dollars in revenue. Now, when we start talking about outsourcers and employees, now that becomes ugh, a headache. There's, a, there's employees. Do you, and I'm going to assume here, you've got managers for your outsourcers. So you're outsourcing the management of your team of outsourcers on different business units. Is that right? Yeah, so keep in mind, freelancers are running their own business. So some people, what their skill set is, the service that they're offering is management of your Amazon account. The other side of it is these freelancers that are running their own business are not always solo freelancers. A lot of times they'll have their own small teams. I have workers that are clients of FreeUp and workers of FreeUp, um, and they'll have their own team, and this is what they do. They go into your business. They can take control of it. Their team will manage stuff, so you don't have to worry about hiring different people for different things, they might have their own employees, their own outsourced workers that they can use on your business. So you just have one last headache and you're almost dealing with a mini agency, even though they're really freelancers. That's fantastic. So, I mean, you've got, you, you, you do have some folks or, or tie-ins with some agencies or people that say, no, 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 I, I, not only do I do this as a one-off or I do this kind of stuff, or I'm well-versed in that. You've got a agency or a team of people, or they have a team of people that says, no, I can handle that. And I can scale with you and your business. Is that right? Exactly. And those people, a lot of times, will offer different services. You can hire them for a one-time thing where they're doing the work and maybe they're optimizing your listing. Or you could hire them on more of a monthly thing where they're using them and their team and maybe they have a fixed price package or maybe they have one rate when they're working and one rate when their team's working. So it re whatever really makes sense for your business. Fair enough. I, I, I admit, someone had asked the other day, what's the first thing that you outsourced, Chris? And, and this is different. You just said it right, it, you know, whatever fits for your business. Mine just happened to be kind of the customer service side of the house because I needed to make sure that I was um, covering all the right things for Amazon and answering, replying to messages in, in the 24-hour time period and that kind of stuff. So customer service um, was was the first outsourcing hire that I did. What 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 are some of the first things that you see or you suggest or you would even, you, you've seen people do in an Amazon business. What are some of the first outsourcing kind of hires you see people doing? Um, anything from sourcing to listing on a higher level, PPC is a big thing now. 
Um, customer service, depending on how much of your business is FBA, is pretty huge because no one wants to do customer service. Um, th those are probably the main things. Um, there's also other small stuff like getting listings unsuppressed and just the uh, Amazon's FBA, getting refunds, stuff that's very tedious and, and might require someone with, that knows the ins and outs and the behind the scenes of Amazon to really come in and just do something that would otherwise be a headache. Perfect. We've got a suite of tools that, that go along with the Ecom Elite membership. Uh, we just actually added the Teams function. Our, our uh, lead programmer now, as we speak, is actually doing a quick video on that. So there are sub-accounts. So people going, oh, how do I do that? This is not related to Nathan. Sorry, Nathan. But we have sub-accounts that are, that are available that you can now have team members hop in there and say, look, I don't want them seeing the sales aspect and the profitability aspect of, of the tools. I just want to see them kind of working, be able to work on maybe the UPC tool. That's the kind of things Nathan's talking about. Get get people doing that aspect of the business. You don't have to have them doing everything. Get them doing those beginning things that you really grind. When you If you're still doing your nine to five gig and you say, man, I only have two or three hours a night, what are the most important things you need to be working on? Get other people to do the other stuff. So fantastic. How about bonuses or awarding people? I mean, are there any set hard and fast rules there? What are some suggestions on, you know, there's, there's the hourly rate. You're talking five to seven an hour for, for those kind of tasks. What about a really incentivizing people and kind of bonusing people out. Yeah, I mean, we have clients that give bonuses all the time. Um, it's it really up to you. I, I don't have a strict rule like the 13th month or anything like that. I mean, the workers on my internal team, I treat very well and make sure they're taken care of. Um, but everyone's at a different stage in their business. So I, I try not to be like, you should do this. Um, if you like the workers that they're doing and they're like the work that they're doing and they're contributing to positive business and you're making money and you have that extra um, revenue, you should treat them well. Again, treat them as an investment. Treat them as you would want to be treated. Um, it's a lot cheaper to give someone a bonus and retain them than to lose them and have to start all over. So I always encourage you, whether you wait till the end of busy season or you do it once a month or once a quarter, um, even, even a small amount, it just getting, getting them comfortable with working for you and, and treating them well is always a good thing. If someone's working for five or seven an hour and maybe they're doing 20 hours a week for you, I mean, ha passing somebody 50 bucks, 100 bucks, is that a, a, you know, an insulting amount or is that a, a, would that be a nice thing to do? No, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, 150 bucks. I mean, they're going to be very appreciative of that. Okay, fantastic. Any significant, um, look, we're, we're dealing with, you know, you, you and I in the U.S., a lot of people we're talking to are U.S. or Europe, and then we're dealing with a lot of outsourcers in, in another country, specifically here, in this case, the Philippines. Any cultural things to be cognizant of or aware of, or at this point, with the globalization being what it is and the world being pretty flat, are those things kind of um, not, not as critical at, at this point? So one thing that's kind of cool is the freelancers in the FreeUp network, they, they want to improve. They want to grow their business. And so we offer a lot of tips and advice to try to really get rid of any of those culture differences and make people understand each other. I mean, on the client side, we have the FreeUp blog where we talk a lot about culture and how to treat people from different countries. I remember when I was hiring for the Philippines, um, I was told by, my, by Cheeky Ann, who runs our freelancer success team, our recruitment team, um, way back in the day, that I was, I was talking too stern to people. I, I didn't realize that people in the Philippines, um, they're a little bit more emotional than, than I am or, or people in the U.S. So that, I thought that was a great piece of advice. And, and on the Filipino side, sometimes they'll do things that might be interpreted as rude, even though they're not. Just this morning, I gave a tip to the freelancers that instead of saying, like, okay, dot, 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 that... In the U.S., that could be considered rude. If someone says, hey, can you work on Friday? And they say, okay, dot, dot, dot. It's almost like you're rolling your eyes at them. But right. that's not what they mean at all. For them, it's really like an unfinished sentence. They're, they're just like waiting for the next thing. So I always try to share those tips and those feedback and, and really get rid of that thing, oh, this person insulted me or this person's being rude because 99% of the time that's not the case. 
And as you said, these we have the same interest in mind. They're outsourcers. They're growing a business. They're entrepreneurs. They're independent. They want to improve. They want to earn some dollars. They want to do well by themselves and or their family. We're in, we are very much aligned in the, in the same world. So it comes down a lot to earlier things you said, communications and expectations. Just saying, look, man, we're in this together. Let me help you. You help me. We'll grow the you know we'll grow this thing and we'll we'll get we'll, both of us will benefit from it. Exactly. I mean, it's so hard to get into the free up network that once they're in, they love it just like clients like it because we bring workers to them. The workers love it because we bring clients to them. So it, once they're in, they care a lot more about growing their business and providing for their family and keeping their clients happy and following marketplace policies than they do about messing with your business or jeopardizing your security or anything like that. Um, it's really just not the case. Fantastic. Do you have any major... Do you have any commonalities with major pitfalls or mistakes? You've mentioned a couple, but major mistakes or pitfalls that people see kind of on a on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis, you go, oh, there's that sort of niggling issue again that comes up again and again that people just, when they're starting out or doing things related to outsourcing, that just keeps popping up. Yeah, I mean, it usually comes down to communication. I mean, figuring out, hey, when do you work normally? What, what, what kind of communication can I expect? I, I really like daily updates. I really like monthly updates. Um, let's figure out the deliverables on this project. What does it? What does what does the scope include? What does it not include? I mean, a huge percentage of the problems are just because there was no communication up front. So, and it goes both ways. I can preach to the workers all day in the network, communicate, communicate, communicate. But if the clients aren't communicating back, it's hard for them to do their job. And at the end of the day, no one's happy. So. I really just recommend communicating at a high level. Uh, another thing that I see that people don't do is they don't ask for feedback. Um, I, I love exit interviews. Even when I fired employees and, and they might hate me, I, I would try to do everything possible to get that exit interview. Um, same thing when someone finishes a project or just randomly with my assistants, I'll be like, hey, can you provide me feedback? How's my management style? How, how's my leadership style? How's my communication? Is there anything I can do to help you get your, do your job better? Because when you create an environment where people aren't afraid to give you feedback, you're going to get a lot of great stuff to help improve your business and you're going to make more money. And that's what people don't realize. They give someone a project, they get it back, done, all right, I'm not changing, on to the next project without any kind of feedback of how they can improve as a boss, as a manager, as a business owner. Our webinar yesterday was related to success and or failure and goals and goal setting. And a lot of, a lot of what we see for issues that come up is just, it's just fear it's fear of failure. It's fear of success. We touched on all th- those things, but this is this is a big one. Your advice is great in that it's also typically challenging for people because you're asking, you're really asking someone to really peel back that uh, curtain and say, "Geez, man, you know, I, how was my management style? Someone left. They left for a reason, maybe, or they didn't like what's going on, or something happened. Maybe it was a personal thing on their side, or maybe you're just being an a-hole and they're like, "Dude, you just." You're just not getting it. Look, we got to hear those things. That's the scary part about growing a business and doing, you know, doing anything related to this. You've got to put yourself out there and be okay. It's got to kind of take one on the chin now and then, and that, that's tough. But really good advice, and that ask for that feedback and say, hey man, where where can I improve? What's going on? What? How do I how do I get better next time? And that's that's really good advice. Hard to hear sometimes, but boy, it's the only way you're going to move yourself forward for sure. Yeah, and I mean, I've been doing this for eight years. We have very low turnover. I like to think that the workers are happy being a part of the internal team at FreeUp. But when I'm asking for feedback, if they're like, Nate, you're great, everything's awesome, I wouldn't change a thing, I don't accept that as an answer. I I want feedback. There's got to be some part of of our interaction, some part of the strategy, some part of 
the expectations or the communication that can be improved. And I'm not just letting you off that easy. I want I want to take something that I can implement and make it better. That's fantastic. How are you? How often are you talking to people? Not not the the, the feedback and expectations and that kind of stuff. I'm sorry, feedback and uh, exit interviews. But as far as kind of communication, is that daily, hourly, weekly? I mean, what and what's a typical amount of time you're kind of talking to people there? Yeah, I mean, it really depends. My employee at FreeUp that does my customer service, I might talk to him once or twice a week. He really doesn't need – it's almost if I'm talking to him, I'm almost like down his back. He doesn't really need it. He's very good at his job. He knows what he's doing. Um, my assistants that we're, we're constantly getting new projects, things are changing. They're dealing with a lot of daily stuff. They're learning too. I mean, we're always trying to improve. They bring feedback and ideas. I'm talking to them every day. My my graphic designer, I might just talk to her when I have a, that next project. So it, it really depends on – who, what position they have in your company, whether they're a contractor, whether they're an employee, um, and where they really fit into what you're trying to do. Excellent. Okay. And, I, and I'm assuming usually the, the case with us, and I think I, this is across the board, earlier days, you're going to be kind of hand-holding and training wheels. You're going to get people talking a lot more earlier on with expectation setting and learning, feeling each other out. And then that slowly kind of expands to, like you said, once or twice a week is all you really need where things are kind of running like a top and you don't have to worry so much about things. Exactly. And I mean, you should always try to over communicate. It's always good to check in. I mean, asking people how they're doing and saying good day and all that kind of stuff is it doesn't hurt. But at the same time, you don't you don't need to be breathing down someone's neck at some point. The whole the whole point of hiring someone was to take stuff off your plate. You want to be able to focus on other things without checking back to that person over and over and over unless they're like your assistant and you're assigning stuff consistently. What kind of collaborative, related to that, what kind of collaborative tools do you have, do you use, do you recommend that kind of talking, managing things, managing tasks and projects and all this kind of stuff, what are some of the tools that, that you guys are using? So I have clients that use all sorts of stuff from Asana to, um, well, I use Trello. Um, I use Skype a ton. I, I made a video challenging anyone to be faster than me at Skype because I get <laughs> thousands of Skype messages every day. Um, I use Jira or Jira for um, developers because Managing developers is a whole nother ball game, so I found that that's pretty useful. Um, for me, I, I kind of keep to the basics with Trello, um, Jira, and Skype. Um, other people are using different tools. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. I'm not that involved with it. Um, there, there's plenty of software out there, and a lot of them are very similar. It's more about consistency. The, the people that fall into problems are the ones that um, they jump around. One day they're using one software, the next day they do the next, and the workers get confused, and they don't really know what's coming next. If you find one you like, even if it's as basic as Trello and you're consistent with it, Slack is the other one. That's what I was trying to think of. Slack is very popular. Um, You can have a lot of success with them, and you can upgrade them over time. Just don't flip-flop back and forth every day. You're hitting on on yet another topic we discussed yesterday, but and you're confirming exactly the things that we talk with all the time. People want a lot in the community, and unfortunately, gurus, whether it's it's e-commerce or otherwise, any internet marketing kind of space, it's a guru – this is exactly the thing you want to use. This is exactly the software. Here's how you set it up. Here are the settings, blah, 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 blah. That's great, but dang, man, if, you, if that's not how your brain works, and that's the funny part about whether it's Trello, whether it's Basecamp, whether it's Skype, whether it's um, wh- whatever you're using, there's all these different things. or just as simple as Google Docs. It's got to be in line with the way you think, how you operate, and what you, way your mind works and way you want your business to go. And then people will, look, this is how I run my business. 
you got to kind of operate in the system with me. That's all. I mean, th th people want so often that sort of roadmap of exactly what do I use? That'd be kind of crazy to do because what you, you like Trello, I don't particularly, I don't use that. I just don't, don't like that. I, I operate, my, my head operates in a different way. You use whatever's good for you and get your people, your outsourcers to be in line with, with that because that's how you run your business. Exactly. I, I love Google Docs too. I mean, lots of the stuff is on Google Docs. Um, until so as we like build features to our software it's like stuff starts on Google Docs and then gets implemented into the software so um, there's a lot of free tools out there especially if you're started starting up I don't recommend um, paying a lot for those expensive tools you can get by pretty far without them I'm a big fan of being frugal when you're a startup business and then when you get to that point where you're hiring a lot of people and there's a lot of information getting thrown around then you take that next step and get more organized yeah, I love the advice. I mean, I, I stand by Google Docs all day. I mean, it's just, it, it's in the cloud. It, it's it's pretty crazy to be operating in a document and someone's on the other side of the planet, quite literally, and you can see somebody in there banging around and you've always got the latest rev of the document. You don't have to wonder, ooh, which version was sent or which wasn't. And it's the right price, you know? I mean, that's when, when you're starting out, be frugal and do the things that make you money and that's it. So, I mean, that's great examples. Kind of to, to finish things off here, if, if you could start over kind of from from day one or you're offering advice to kind of brand new people. How 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 soon do you think people should start outsourcing um, and, and getting things done when you're, when you're just, just getting started? Some people don't know what they don't know, but you know, any advice you've got or when, when you could start out uh, outsourcing tasks for your, your new, your new company? Yeah. I mean, I started off pretty early. I mean, um, even on free up when I was getting it off the ground within a month or two, I, I had people doing whether it was just design my website or do this project or the, then I get my first assistant part-time, um, kind of starting off small and building. I mean, if you're running a, an Amazon business and you're making money and you haven't outsourced anything or hired someone, you're, you need to start doing that. At some point, you're going to hit a ceiling where you can't do it all yourself or you're probably already focusing too much time on things you shouldn't be doing. you got to get started even if it's small. So unless you're really struggling and you're in the red and you're losing money and you really can't afford it, there's usually one or two things you can hire for or take off your plate right away. Yeah, it's at seven bucks an hour, kind of on the high end, quote unquote, of your range of five to seven dollars. And if you're freeing up 10 hours a week, 40 hours is a fair bit of time. And even if a quarter of that is quote unquote wasted, where you are training and that kind of stuff, for 240 bucks, 250 bucks, you're getting maybe 30 hours worth of work done. That's a, you're really duplicating yourself at that point. Now you have two of you. That's so much more efficient for a couple hundred bucks. I, I'm with Nathan. Sooner the better. And get started. Get started on outsourcing a couple things. Whether it's our new custom program and you need some graphic designers, whether you need someone to learn the software, how to upload a number of different products, that's a little bit more product uh, intensive. Whether it's doing research and buy box, buy box products, finding wholesalers to call. You can even get folks to call wholesalers if you want and, and, and soup to nuts beginning to end of the entire process. Get out there and get started on that um, uh, or, or sooner, than, sooner than later. Appreciate the time, Nathan, very much. Anything else you wanted to add or suggestions or anything I've kind of forgotten to mention? Yeah, so we have a special bonus offer for anyone listening. Um, a dollar off your first worker forever. You can go to writeafreeup.com. Chris will have the link in the show notes um, so that if you use his link, you get the $1 off on your first worker. It's free to sign up. There's no monthly fees. You only pay for the work that you get done. Um, and you really get access to the top 1% of online freelancers out there. So take advantage of that deal. And if you have any questions, my calendar is right at the top of freeup.com with three E's. You can book a time with me. I'd love to talk to you about your business. 
Nathan, I love that. Appreciate the time. You are a very accessible guy. And in, in, in the world of the, the internet, set something up and please don't talk to me or, or don't get, don't, don't, don't contact me. He does have his calendar there. Very accessible. I use that to schedule this call, for example. And the past couple of times I've talked to him. Fantastic. Appreciate your time and uh, love the service that you created. Continued success to you. And I look forward certainly to talking to you more in the future and hearing a, about how our members are taking advantage of, of your service and growing their business as well. Thanks, Chris. Thanks a lot.